so glad that you're here uh, joining us this morning. Uh, yeah, so, so blessed. Um, you know, we're going through the book of John, um, and we're going through the book of John, and what we're focusing in on is answering the question, who is Jesus? Because there's so many opinions, there's so many ideas about who Jesus is out there, and, and so many of those ideas are, um, they're incomplete. You know, they're not, um, they, they, they have some of the truth, but they don't, they don't know all of who Jesus really is. And, and the truth is, when you get to know Jesus for who he is, it just kind of changes the way you see things. Um, you begin to look like, wow, it's not just really about me anymore. Um, it, it's really about, you know, God is really real, and, and he's there. And it's not, the world doesn't revolve around me anymore. And it just kind of changes things. Uh, Dave Oyadamari, um he um, had a really good idea, you know, like I shared the other week, uh, last week, was that, you know, he, when he and his um, wife, um, Tammy, were dating, uh, they went through this, um, this study guide, this exact same one. Um, many moons ago, um, they had a counsel from a real wise person that maybe this would be something good to go through. So they did. And so he said, what if we offer this to people and we kind of, frame our messages around, you know, just the, the lessons in here. And so that's what we've done. And a bunch of you have ordered, I think like over 50 people have ordered uh, study guides. If you ordered one, um, they're available to pick up. Um, the, other th the, the bad news about that is um, we, know, we rush them in, and usually we would get them in in three days. But um, just got, I just, you know, I checked the tracking, and a bunch are coming in on Monday. So um, if you know, we don't have them here and you ordered them, ordered them. Uh, somehow we'll get it to you. Come see me after or talk to my daughter who's selling them. And uh, you that can come to the office, you know, on 705 South King Street. Or we'll just somehow get it to you because, you know, it's that, it's that important. So, you know, that's, that's this. Um, every week we'll let you know, like, what lessons uh, from here we're on. We're just bunching a whole bunch up because we're trying to finish, you know, 20 lessons or whatever it is in like 12 weeks um, before Easter. So we're just going to give you a snippet, but um, you'll get the whole, you know, you'll get so much more uh, going through a study. We'll just give you a taste on Sunday morning. Um, I was reading um, that, you know, so according to someone who works with Facebook, um, you know, just... Certain things just kind of catch your eye, you know. And uh, about 5 million people, um, that person who's working with Facebook said that about 5 million people began using Facebook uh, during the 2008 Olympics uh, because of Michael Phelps. Um, you know, because, you know, he, he won like eight gold medals, broke a whole bunch of records, and he talked about being on Facebook. And just him saying that, you know, they, they said um, the, the number of people using it spiked um, by um, 8 million people. There's like 7,999,999 because I stopped. I'm not using Facebook no more. Um, there's too much drama. Anyway, but, um, but eight, 8 million. Can you believe that? Just because he mentioned that in 2008, um, about 8, about 5 million, I should say, um, started using, 5 million started using and, um, you know, people would say that they were amazed, um, amazed at um, all the things that Michael Phelps did. 
Um, they were, you know, they just admired him, uh, all those gold medals, you know, and it was just, you know, he was so admired. Um, but there were a number of, of people, not a whole bunch, but there are a number of people, especially young people, who after watching Michael Phelps, um, they were inspired to follow in his uh, footsteps. You know, people like uh, Reese um, Whitley, and he was like eight years old at the time of the Olympics, but he made a decision. You know, he was, you know, he was a very athletic person and he decided, you know, basketball, whatever, but he just, after watching the Olympics, he said, and, and watching Michael Phelps, he goes, you know what? I'm inspired. I'm going to be a swimmer. And so he became a swimmer, and he won a silver medal in the junior uh, world championships in 2015. He was named the Sports Illustrated Kids, you know, the kids edition of Sports Illustrated. He was Sports Kid of the Year for 2015. And, and, and Michael Phelps, so many people admired him. They were fans of Michael Phelps. But then there were a few who were just so inspired that they decided to follow. And um, not me. I wasn't one of those. I just was in the, the millions of people who just admired what he did. The whole, oh, this is like amazing. But, you know, I'm not really into swimming. I don't like the attire they wear, you know, when they got to swim. I thought, man, that's not for me, you know. And I thought, and I, I have a theory, you know, and people say like, Mark, you know, like Speedos and all that stuff. You know, I, I have a theory about that. The theory I have is you make them wear that so they stay in the water. You don't want to come out with that stuff, so you stay in the water and you practice more. That's just my theory on that thing. But you see, people like Reese Whitley and others, they went beyond just being a fan. They went beyond just admiration. You know, they, they, they took that step to follow. And, and, you know, an admirer, a fan, we're just amazed and impressed. But a follower goes beyond that, and they're kind of devoted. You know, they, they want to do something. A, a, a follower makes changes in their lives. You know, he said, well, you know what, if I'm going to be like Michael, I got to get up early, I got to practice, I got to do all those things. And, 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 and not many chose to be followers. You know, Martin Luther King Jr., you know, some marched with him, you know, but um, not many were willing to go to jail with him. Not many people were willing to have their houses bombed like he did. A lot of people admired um, Mother Teresa. You know, that's one of my, uh, Mother Teresa is one of my heroes. But, you know, a lot of people uh, admired Mother Teresa, but not many people followed her um, to live among the destitute and the dying, you know. And when we look and are continuing our look at who Jesus is in the book of John, um, what we're going to see is that the number of admirers, the number of fans of Jesus would just increase the more he began to, to, to wow them with the things that he was doing, the miracles that he was doing, um, the, the things that he was teaching. They, they said, wow, we never heard teaching like this before, sort of like when you come here. But, um, you know, like, you know, you know, they were like wowing him, and then crowds would come, and, 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 and you would have so many people coming to admire. And there were a few that chose to, 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 to begin to follow him. You know, in John chapter 2, uh, we have Jesus inviting 
a few like Andrew, his brother uh, Simon Peter, uh, he had Philip and Nathaniel, and he invited them, and they chose to make a decision to go beyond just admiring Jesus and being a fan of Jesus, but they chose to follow him. In, in John chapter 3, um, in John chapter 2, um, in verse 23, uh, we read this. Now while Jesus was in Jerusalem at the Passover festival, many people saw the signs he was performing and believed in his name. You see, he was, uh, he was um, uh, there were so many people that were beginning to, like, man, this Jesus, there's something, something amazing about uh, this Jesus, you know? And um, what we see in Matthew 7, as time went on, in verse 28, it says, when Jesus finished saying these things, he was teaching a bunch of people, the crowds were amazed at his teaching because he taught as one who had authority and not as their teachers of the law. And you had this growing crowd of admirers um, who just admired all the things he did, all the, um, the teaching, and something inside of some people just clicked. You know, not many, but, but for some, something clicked. And I say, you know, this is it. This is, this is what I've been waiting for. This is what I've been longing for. I didn't realize it, but this is what I've been longing for. I've been longing uh, to be cleansed and forgiven of, of my sin, a lot of junk in my life. You know, I really have been on a search to really, really know God. You know, to really know God and to live a life beyond worry and fear and, and the need for the, the latest and the greatest, you know, that, 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 I, that I'm not just going to be an admirer of that man anymore. That I'm, today I'm going to choose to follow him. And uh, whatever that means, wherever that takes me, that's what I'm going to do. And there are some who did that. There are some who did that. And in John chapter 3, there was a man named Nicodemus. And um, he was a religious leader. And he goes to Jesus because he, was so, he so admired what Jesus was doing. He so admired what Jesus was teaching. And he's this religious leader, but he's like, he's just fascinated by this Jesus. And he couldn't stop thinking about him. And so he... He goes to Jesus one night. And we're going to look at this encounter, uh, Nicodemus' encounter with Jesus, because when we look at this encounter, there's so much we can learn about who Jesus is and, and really what it means to follow him. In this study guide, um, this is found in Lesson 5. So Lesson 5 is pretty much all about uh, this encounter um, that uh, we'll be talking about Today, so if you have your Bibles, you know you can open up uh, your Bibles to John chapter three, and um, there's notes in the bulletin that you can follow along. You know they're there. You can just fill in the blanks and, and all that stuff. Um, but the first thing that we see is that Jesus meets us where we are. That this Jesus who we're talking about, he meets us where we are. In John chapter three, verse one, we read. Now there was a Pharisee, a man named Nicodemus, who was, the member, who was a member of the Jewish ruling council. He came to Jesus at night and said, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher who has come from God, for no one could perform the signs you are doing if God were not with him. You see, and so he's admiring. He said, like, oh, man, Jesus, you're doing stuff. We, we, we've never seen that before, you know. 
And, um, you know, he goes to see Jesus, and he goes to see Jesus at night. Now, why did Nicodemus go, this religious leader, go and, and, and seek out Jesus at night? You know, and that's, and, you know, just to give you a preview, that's like question one in here in, that, in lesson five. That's question one. And uh, what we see is that he was a Pharisee. Okay, what is a Pharisee? You know, that was a, a group um, that um, they studied the Bible. Um, they, were, um, they were very, very uh, learned, learned in the Bible, uh, in the scriptures that they had at that time. And uh, they, he was part of the, um, the ruling um, council, the Sanhedrin, as some would call, call it. And, and he was like a big shot in the religious community. And the Pharisees were big shots. In fact, the Pharisees, this, this religious group, this religious group of leaders, um, they were the guys that hassled Jesus the most, that they gave him the most trouble. And so, so here's this man, Nicodemus. He's a religious leader. He's respected by many in the community. And he probably didn't want to risk losing his reputation to see this Jesus because he's causing such an uproar, right? And says, you know, I think I'll go um, at night. You know, he, he was an admirer and that's what admirers do, right? That's what fans do. They're, they're curious, they're impressed, but, but not so much that they want to go and do something that would risk something in their lives. And so that's kind of what Nicodemus did. He was curious um, and he thought, man, you know what? I'm going to go at night. But I think there's more to that. That um, I think Nicodemus was an admirer whose heart was just being stirred by what he was seeing. And he was just fascinated beyond just admiring this Jesus. That he wanted more. And, you know, um, Pharisees often went to Jesus trying to trick him, you know, trying to uh, test him. But I believe that, that, and we're going to read about this, uh, Nicodemus came really wanting to seek out answers, that he wanted answers, you know? And uh, he goes at night. There's no crowds to, to mess with, um, um, you know, no crowds to deal with. And what he sought was a personal encounter with Jesus. And he came in his admirer, he came with his questions. He came because his heart was stirred. And, and Jesus met him right where he was. Jesus didn't look at him and goes, like, oh, no, another one of those Pharisees. Like, nah, I, I'll deal with him later. It's at night. I'm just going to rest. Nah, Jesus just met him where he was. You know, He knew the group that he was associated with. You know, he knew all of that. And, you know, he's talking and ministering all day. He could have easily just said, ah, Nicodemus, catch you later. Take a number, you know. But he meets him right where he was. And, you know, Jesus will meet you right where you are. You may think, oh, my life's messed up. Man, if, if you knew some of the things that I've done, you know. Uh, but, and, and I don't know why, but we get this, this feeling like maybe we got to clean up our lives a little bit. Maybe we got to kind of like dust off some of the sin in our lives before we actually get to meet Jesus. But, but Jesus will meet us right where we are. And that's the amazing thing. 
that God sent Jesus to come. God in the flesh came. And he came on a mission to save us. To save us from our sin. And yet, and yet, this Jesus is just going to meet us right where we are. You know? He's not going to put, well, you got to do A, B, and C first. He just meets us where we are. And that's an amazing thing. That's an amazing thing about the Jesus that we worship. The second thing is that Jesus speaks words of grace and truth. Right? He speaks words of grace and truth. Jesus will meet you where you are. And, and, and one of the truth, the key truths that we need to know that he comes with grace, yeah, love and, and grace, but he also comes with truth as well. You know, further in John chapter 1, verse 14, you know, we read, you know, we read this last week, the word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen the glory, the glory of the one and only son who came from the father, full of what? Full of grace and truth. And, and, and Jesus is saying, yes, I come from the Father. Yes, I come with love. And yes, I come um, to extend grace, God's unmerited favor. But I also come, just as importantly, that I, I come to extend truth. And, and you see, with God, unlike our culture, there, there are such things as absolute truth. You know? And, and he's saying, you know, it's so important that you know the truth. So you're not deceived. And sometimes, you know, it goes against, a lot of times it goes against public uh, opinion or it's not a popular thing. It goes against the flow and, you know, it just riles people up. And it did back then in the days of Jesus and it does the same today. And in this encounter with Nicodemus, Jesus speaks to him words of grace and also truth. And so we read in John chapter 3 going on, in the passage in John chapter 3, verse 3, Jesus replied to Nicodemus and says, Very truly I tell you, very truly I tell you, no one can see the kingdom of God unless they are born again. How can someone um, be born when they are old? Nicodemus asked. Logical question, you know. Surely they cannot enter a second time into their mother's womb to be born. And, and Jesus answers and begins talking to Nicodemus and he uses this really interesting phrase. And, and, and he doesn't use this too often, but he says, very truly I say, I, very truly I tell you. And another translation for that, maybe more accurate, is indeed and in truth. Indeed and in truth, I tell you. Yeah. And so what he says is, you know, indeed and in truth, I'm going to tell you something. F.F. Bruce writes in his commentary, um, he writes, it confirms, that phrase confirms the certainty and trustworthiness of what Jesus is saying. And Jesus is responding to Nicodemus with respect, and he's with grace, and also with truth. Because this is kind of like a difficult truth to understand and receive. And so he goes on and he explains it even further in verse 5. Jesus answers, again, he says, Very truly I tell you, indeed and in truth I tell you, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless they are born of water and the Spirit. Flesh gives birth to flesh, but the Spirit gives birth to Spirit. You should not be surprised at my saying, you must be born again. 
The wind blows wherever it pleases. You hear its sound, but you cannot tell where it comes from or where it is going. So it is with everyone who is born of the Spirit. And Jesus says, you know, indeed and in truth, I'm going to tell you, I'm going to share truth with you. Okay, I'm, going to be, I'm going to try to explain it as best I can with, with the grace and respect. But here's the truth. And what he's saying is that it is through the Holy Spirit that um, we can understand and we can enter the kingdom of God. You know, it's, that, it's through the Spirit. It's gaining entrance is not determined um, by how much we do, how much good works we do, how good a person we are. You know, entrance into the kingdom of God is not about that. It's not something that you earn. It's not something that you earn. It's about yielding and trusting God and His Spirit and allowing Him to transform your life so that you begin to walk and live in a totally different and transformed way. And, and what he's saying is that it's like being born again, is what he's saying. Like when you're born, you know, when you're physically born, um, you are born into the flesh, and so you're born and you walk as a human. You know, you were given birth by humans, and so now you're going to walk as a human. But to enter the kingdom of God, he's saying, that you no longer just follow your flesh, your desires, your wants, all those things, but you're born again and of the Holy Spirit. And as the coming and going of the wind, he's saying, uh, cannot be controlled by human power or anything else, that we're going to have to trust and allow God to lead and direct you. And what he's saying is it's, it's really a whole new way of life. See, and if you're like me, you know, it's like, yeah, oh, the kingdom of God, follow Jesus. You know, the first thing that I want to do is I want to follow him um, using the strength and the knowledge and the wisdom and just, just doing the best I can, right? And over the, over, over the years, you know, you just understand that, you know, you just mess up. You're just going to mess up. You can try your best, but there's always going to be things, pressure or, you know, stress or, you know, tragedy or, or something or good stuff that comes up and it just kind of messes us up and derails us, you know, until we're like, oh, I need Jesus again. And you go back and it's like a roller coaster. And Jesus is saying, you know, that's not the kind of life that God wants to have, wants you to have. It's not to be a roller coaster, that he wants you to have something totally different. It's almost, he's saying, it's, it's really like you've got to like be born again. So you're going to be born again and walk in a totally different kind of way. And how do you walk is determined as you put your trust in the Holy Spirit. And you're asking God to direct your steps. And that's a totally different way of living. See? And Jesus made it clear that, that um, you know, if you want to follow him and you want to enter into God's kingdom, um, this is what it means. He didn't sugarcoat it. He gave Nicodemus the truth. He didn't say, well, you know, you can try. You know, you can, you know. You know. No. He said, this is how it is. 
he graciously shared with Nicodemus, you know, what was necessary to go beyond just admiring him, but to really becoming a follower. And, and even though this Nicodemus was a Pharisee, and that group caused him the most trouble, Jesus didn't dismiss him. And Jesus didn't dismiss his questions. Because he could have easily said, oh, here they go again, you know. But he didn't. You know, he met Nicodemus where he was. And then he spoke words of grace. And he spoke, just as important, he spoke words of truth. And that's what Jesus will do with you. That if you would go to him, he will meet you where you are, and he, with grace and truth, he will speak to you right where you are. Now, that's the amazing thing about Jesus. But so many times, we don't want that. We just want to live the way we want to live. You know, and Jesus says, you know, here's the deal. If you want to go from an admirer to a fan, if you want to go from an admirer to a follower, it means that you've got to live a whole different way but it's not going to be your strength. It's going to be the Holy Spirit. It's going to be like you've got to be born again. And then he goes on. And what we see, and, and we know this, the third thing is Jesus is the Savior of the world. Now, he's the Savior of the world. In John 3, verse 9, he goes on. Nicodemus obviously says, how can this be? You know, you are Israel's teacher, said Jesus. And, and do you not understand these things? Very truly, again, he says, indeed, you know what he's saying, you know, very, very truly, I say to you, indeed and in truth, I speak to you, that we speak of what we know and we testify what we've seen, but still you do not accept our testimony. I have spoken to you of earthly things and you do not believe. How then will you believe if I speak of heavenly things? No one has ever gone into heaven except the one who came from heaven, the Son of Man. Just as Moses lifted up the snake in the wilderness, so the Son of Man must be lifted up that everyone who believes may have eternal life in him. And here's Nicodemus. And unlike the other Pharisees, he humbles himself and he's just seeking the truth. And, and, and Jesus says, you know, indeed and in truth, I tell you. And then he makes it as clear as he can, you know, what the heart of the matter is. He tells Nicodemus, look, I am the Savior. I am the Messiah. And that everyone, not just a select few, uh, but everyone who believes in me may have eternal life. This is everybody that I've come not just for you Pharisees. I didn't come just for the Jews. I didn't just come for good people. I came for everybody. And, and, and there it was, as clear as could be. You know, Grace and truth combined to give Nicodemus the answer. You know, the answer to the questions that he was asking. And then Jesus drops this bombshell, right? Another bombshell of grace. Like a bombshell of grace and truth. Very familiar 
verse, verses, John 3, 16 and 17. And this is the context of that verse. That this guy came at night from this group of people who just hassled Jesus. He came seeking God. He went to him at night. And Jesus has a conversation with him. Talking about being born again, how to live and all this. And out of grace and truth, Jesus speaks to this man and says, here's the deal. That the Son of Man has got to be lifted up. And everybody who believes in the Son of Man, in me, will have eternal life. And then he goes on, and in that context, verse 3, John 3.16, For God so loved the world, Jesus says. For God so loved the world. And that, this is where it is, guys, he's saying. Nicodemus, this is where it is. That God so loved everybody. Not just you Jews, everybody. So God, even the Gentiles. God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world but to save the world through him. And what he was saying to them and saying to Nicodemus was, look, I came for the whole world. It was God who sent me, and I came on a mission. I'm here to be the savior of the world. And I know you Pharisees like to point your finger and the do's and the don'ts, and you you like to condemn people for what they're doing and all that, but God didn't send me to condemn the world. But out of love, God sent me to save the world. You know? And that would be something so bizarre to Nicodemus that God would do that. And for some of us, that's kind of bizarre as well. You know, we, we read that, but maybe we don't really accept it. You know, some of us are like, man, my life. Or maybe more, more common is like, Yeah, God so loved the world, but he didn't come to save that person or that person or my neighbors who just music three o'clock in the morning. Jesus didn't come for them. Or, you know, surely Jesus didn't come for the Seattle Seahawks, right? But he did. I, I find that hard to believe. Jesus came to save the Dallas Cowboys. How can that be? How can that be? But he did. And as crazy it is to us, it was crazy for Nicodemus. That Jesus didn't say, hey, you know what? If you accept me, you'll be born again. But Jesus said, I came for the world, for everybody. And Jesus met Nicodemus right where he was. And he spoke and answered with words of grace and truth. And then Nicodemus was left with a decision to make. Right? He was left with a decision to make. That, that his encounter with Jesus at night left him with a choice. Would he deny the truth of Jesus' word? Would he, would he receive the truth of Jesus' words and, and maybe just say like, man, whew, 
That was great teaching. Never heard that before. If I admired him before, oh, even more so now. Man, I am his greatest fan. Jesus, autograph, please. You know? Or he could receive the truth and respond by believing and making a decision to follow Jesus. You know, that was his choices. And that's a decision that all of mankind, every single one of us has to make, right? What are we going to do with Jesus? Deny the truth? Or maybe for some of us, it's like, I like this, I like that, I don't like this, I don't like that. Or it's like, you know what, I'm going to continue on just where I am. I know Jesus. Jesus is a great guy. My, he's like the greatest person ever. You know, he's right up there with Mother Teresa, Billy Graham, and the rest of the good guys. Or we can make a decision that, you know what? Jesus said, I came to, to save, to be the savior of the world. And he says that, you know, for me to, to really be his follower, I've got to, it's kind of like being born again and living in a whole different way. And that's our choice. That's the decision we need to make. What did Nicodemus do? What did Nicodemus do? What was the decision that he made? If you want to know that, just keep reading John. No, I'll tell you. I'll tell you what it is. See, he made a decision to be born again and to be a follower. He went beyond being an admirer, beyond a fan, and he chose to be a follower. Six months before the crucifixion, the chief priests and all the Pharisees uh, gathered together attempting to have Jesus arrested. And right there, Nicodemus kind of went against the flow and he urged them, hey guys, you got to give Jesus a fair shot in this. John 7 records this in verse 50. Nicodemus, who had gone to Jesus earlier, who was one of their own number, the Pharisees, right, asked, does our law condemn a man without first hearing him to find out what he's been done, what, he, what he's been doing? And he backs up Jesus. He says, you know, I don't care. Now, I'm no longer an admirer. I'm a follower now. And he, try, he urges them, you've got to give Jesus a fair hearing. And then later, after the death of Jesus on the cross, we read in John 7, verse 38, it's not seven, but later, yeah, thank you. Later, Joseph of Arimathea asked Pilate for the body of Jesus. Now, Joseph was a disciple of Jesus, but secretly because he feared the Jewish leaders. Uh, with Pilate's permission, he came and took the body away. Who was he accompanied by? By Nicodemus. The man, again, the man who earlier had visited Jesus at night. Nicodemus brought a mixture of myrrh and aloes. And, and this is like about 75 pounds. That was a whole hunk of money right there. Okay. And taking Jesus' body, the two of them wrapped it up with spices and strips of linen. And this is in accordance, accordance with Jewish burial customs. At that place where Jesus was crucified, there was a garden. In the garden was a new tomb in which no one had ever been laid because it was a Jewish day of preparation. Since the tomb was nearby, they laid Jesus 
there. And here's Nicodemus again. No longer an admirer, but a follower. You know, he takes Jesus' body at great risk to his safety, his reputation. He lives out his faith. You know, just money to, to pay for the, the spices that are needed for the burial. Didn't care how much that cost. It was worth all that. Because this man, Nicodemus, who sought the truth, received the message of grace and truth, and he chose to go beyond just being an admirer and a fan of Jesus to really becoming a follower. And his life was changed forever. And never again did he hide, you know, his faith in Jesus. You see, that's Jesus' message of grace and truth to all of us as well. You know, to all of us right here today. That he's the savior of the world. You know, and, and we have a choice. And the choice is really, will you choose to deny the truth? And says, nah. Or will you just say, you know what? I'm good. I'm just going to keep admiring. I'll come service. I'll come church. And I'll just admire. But, but I don't, I'm not ready for that. And for others, you know, God's been drawing you. God's been calling you. You're like Nicodemus. It's like, man, gotta gotta meet this guy. And and maybe your decision is, yeah, you know, I, I'm, I'm nervous. I don't know what it all means. It's kind of strange to be think about being born again. That's that's kind of odd. You know, I, I'm not. I don't know if I'm ready to let go of the life that I'm living because it seems pretty good. But I've got to take that step. I gotta take that step. I gotta, I gotta, because of who Jesus is. That He's the Savior of the world. He's my Savior, and He's calling me to follow. Gotta take that. I gotta take that step. And maybe that's the step that you take today. So why don't you stand with me? We're gonna pray. All right. And. At the very, very least, let the Holy Spirit speak to you about who Jesus is. That he meets you right where you are. That, that not only does he meet you right where you are, he will answer your question. He will come to you with words of grace and truth. He's not going to lead you off. And, and remember that, that he's your Savior. That God so loved the world, that includes you. And, and maybe just take that chance to trust in this Savior who came to die for us. That's how much He loves and believes in us. So let's pray. And, you know, if you've never prayed this, just pray along with me. You know, say, Jesus, I, I know I know you are the Son of God. I know what Nicodemus was saying. That who else could teach and do the things you're doing if you wasn't from God? And I've been on a path. I've been curious. I've, been, I've admired you. But today I take this step to really put my faith and trust in you enough to follow you. That yeah, I, I've been born of water. I've been born of the flesh. It's time for me to, as weird and as mysterious as that sounds, that I need to be born again of the Spirit. 
Jesus, will you be my Savior? And will you lead me in how I need to walk now? That I've been walking the way I wanted to walk. I want to see what it's like to walk according to your spirit. So I choose today to be a follower. Thank you for your love. Thank you for your grace. Thank you for your mercy. Now, will you lead me like how you led Nicodemus? Will you lead me from this day forward? In Jesus' name.